When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Current conditions, 1.1. I know it's winter. Two reasons why. Kimpy's in a jacket, and Just Ask Me's back at the races. Morning, Kimpy. <laughs> Morning, mate. Yes, he is back at the races, and yeah, it is starting to get cold. We know that winter's here when uh, the old boy's preparing for a couple of big races this year. And I'll just say that. He's preparing himself to get ready for a couple of big races starting this weekend. Uh, just asked me. He's back out and uh, had a little chat to Al Sherrick. Um, you know, he's had a pretty good season, Al, like a, like a number of our, our trainers around the country. Robbie Patterson down there as well has, has had a good season. Oh, Lisa Ladder's had an unbelievable season um, as far as winning Group 1s. But it is that time of the year, Louis. Um, Harwood yesterday with the jumps races, first first one of the day. And, uh, yeah, I guess now, now we know Now we know from now on, now on in, no firm tracks. <laughs> it's all done. It's, it's all, all done. done, mate. We're, we're, we're uh, ankle deep in mud from here on out, and that's what we want for Just Ask Me, mate. It is fresh down here. Uh, Izzy usually says it first thing in the morning, ooh, we walking that, you know, that 10-metre walk from his house to his pool house. Yes, that's a real-life sentence. He usually says it's fresh. Well, this abandoned building, I mean, it's, uh, it's got a very frosty feeling to it this morning, and we've got a, a warm show to heat the country up because... Wow, we've got live sport this morning. Uh, we've got Premier League action. Arsenal versus Man City. Look, I, neither you or me, Kimpy, are the biggest Premier League week-in, week-out fans, but I bet you we both know the gravity of this. This is the one, if you were going to watch a regular season, if you were going to watch a football game, a league football game this year, this would be the one, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%. You know, like Arsenal basically had the, had the title wrapped up, didn't they? And then have gone their last three with... Um, games drawing, and when Manchester City have sort of hit some form and won their last five, so it it's just it's theatre, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. it always is in the Premier League. I remember playing over in England and coming down to the back end of the season. You just had it wasn't just the top end of the of the of the table; it was the bottom end of the table fight to stay in, and the theatre week in week out of teams being juggled around in that top and bottom of the table. Um, I watched Leeds and Leicester play yesterday uh, for that one-all draw. You know, it's and and they just, they're right on the tip of relegation as well. Um, the one at the top with Manchester City and Arsenal, I've got to say, if Man City win this today, they win the title. You'd think so. It's that simple, yeah. And, and if Arsenal, well, I'll tell you what, they're going to have to take, they're going to have to take their medicine as a proverbial Chokers, because they've choked. <laughs> They're going to have to put their big boy pants on to to stop this as well, because the it's not this area bleeding, but they've drawn their last three, Kimpy, while Man City has just been mowing them down methodically. Fred de Jong, he is all things football in this country. It's We're big fans of Fred de Jong. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of him. I'm a massive fan of him. The Phoenix have a do or die, a must-win game this weekend. The football ferns are well, preparing for their World Cup on home shores as well. So there's so much football to talk about. We'll do that in the 7 o'clock. 
hour, but we've got plenty else, uh, plenty more coming up as well, including some NBA. Uh, we're going to go to Canada, actually. There's a couple of Canadian protagonists still getting around the league at the moment. We're going to go to Canada and talk some hoops as it's very busy in playoff time in the NBA. And then after eight, more than an athlete, I know you're very fond of this bloke. Yeah, look, and it's a really good story too, Sione Fomuina, who, you know, I was in Canberra, we are playing Canberra um, when I was coaching and, and we Sione was playing for them. He went over as a junior Kiwi and he was playing for Canberra at the time, 19 years of age, and uh, he was best mates with Mutu Tony. And we spoke to Mutu Tony whether or not he could get Sione around to come and chat to us, you know, he was playing uh, second grade at the time, and we just saw the potential in him, you know, um, that he he could really turn it on. And I'll never forget just sitting down in the in the uh, hotel foyer with him and Mutu, myself and Daniel, and just talking to him about life and, and coming back to New Zealand. And, and well, well, so be it, he decides to come home and, and really turn it on and, and, and hit some pretty good heights at the Warriors, but went on this pretty... Uh, how can you say it? bumpy bumpy road? You, that's that's all I'll say. Um, through that period of you know becoming a football star, and in amongst mm-hmm. um, being a young bloke and, and having a lot of anxiety as well. And and I really want to touch on that, that story today of how he went through that and got himself out of it because his journey to the fight for life, which is on tonight, um, has been phenomenal. You know he's dropped something like twenty seven kilos. Uh, he's never boxed before, which is really scary because he's in against DJ Forbes, which DJ Forbes will stand in the ring and just throw punches. He's that fit. He ain't got a blow. And Sione's admitted that he hit the he hit the pads for a couple of minutes um, when he <laughs> first that. jumped in and, and got gas. And I know that because I've seen him hit pads at training and I know he does get gas, but he... He has got a big engine, Sione. Um, he he's got a big engine when he was playing, but it's that it's that transition. I, I see this, Louis, with a lot of young people, and of course, I've been through it myself. Is that when you're twenty, you're sort of still growing up. You know what I mean? And then you get to like twenty seven, twenty eight, and and it's like a penny drops, and you go, oh man, I've got to sort of get on with it. You know, all my mates are getting on, like they're having children, um, they're getting married. You know, they're starting to get themselves into work. And then they get into their 30s and they go, oh, yeah, I'm, now I'm in life. And they're sitting home and the wife's cooking your tin dinner and you start to put on a little bit of weight and, you you know, your training's starting to go downhill. And then you're in your 40s and it's like you can either be really comfortable or you can be really uncomfortable. And I just want to hear about that journey from him. And he's, you know, been at the highs and the lows. He's played for his country. Um, and he's just at – look – He's just a good bloke at heart. And his story in and around that mental health, one of the biggest things that we never had when we were we were coming through as coaches and even players in my time um, was all this advocacy around mental health. And that's what the story is about today with Sione. 100%. He's very fond of what Mike King does. I Am Hope is all over and, and really what Fight for Life's about tonight, as well as some professional bouts, but I Am Hope and what Mike King has been able to do. And, and I know that's something Sione's passionate about, just doing a bit of reading this morning. And the other thing, Kempi, is Match Fit, uh, the league version of the show that Bailey Mackey's put together is running at the same time. So Sione's had a, a really good lead up here to get himself in some serious nick. I read that he's lost nearly 35 kgs heading here over the last wee while, over the last six months. So he's, he's almost down to his playing weight, can you believe it? So, um, oh, getting a chance to talk to someone that's got a, a, a proper 
fight on this evening. I mean, very good of him to take out. Cool. I'd be absolutely packing myself in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think he'd be sleeping. You know what I mean? I, you know, he's uh, probably been up all night, starting to get really nervous about now because once you open your eyes, it's like, well, man, this is the day. You know, I'm going to mm. have to jump in that ring and there's nowhere to hide. Um, we, we know Fight for Life. It's a, it's a really, really good night. Um, but there's a good card. I look at that card and I go, man, there's some humdingers on in there tonight. Like DJ Forbes and Sione is a good a good fight, but Liam Misson and Justin Hodges, that's like, oh, hang on. Like Liam, is he can box, and we've seen that. And Justin Hodges is just, you know, his last fight was with Gallon. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to that one. Uh, and then we've got a couple of professional belts on too, you know. So uh, I spoke to, I told you I ran into Dean Lonigan last week, walking down, walking down uh, Ponsonby, he goes to Bambina. Uh, Bambino, I think the name of the cafe is down in, on Ponsonby Road all the time, and he's coming out of it. And he's um, he's moved back to New Zealand. Dino, he's got a couple of pro boxers over over in Australia, but he's really concentrating on that boxing game. And of course, him and his son are working together now, and they've got this up and running again. And I I always thought that this was one of the highlights of the year was when they bought Fight for Life um, to the market, and it's good to see it back on the on the calendar now. Well, it truly is a staple of the New Zealand sporting calendar. And speaking of Australia and boxing as well, uh, very interesting to see Joseph Parker, who yeah. I think it's probably fair to say has moved into a different phase of his career now. His contract with Boxer up in the UK, the promoter, has finished. He will be fighting in Melbourne, of all places, next against um, Brisbane-based Samoan, Fanga or Pu. Opalu. So that's what's going on coming up next month. David Neek is going to be on that card as well. But uh, interesting to see where Joseph Park is at in his career. So there's a bit of boxing news around, Kempi, and we can chat all morning about that. I totally agree. Liam Messam and Justin Hodges. Oh, that is a doozy. Uh, before the end of the show, you and the boys are getting your flu shots as well with our friends at Chemist Warehouse. Have you got your arms ready? Yeah. Look, I, I thought about it uh, first thing when I woke up this morning. I had a little bit of hay fever with me and the boys this, um, the last couple of days. Neep's in there. He's tensing up. Um, so, yeah, look, we're looking forward to it. We did it last year with Asman, you know, great. Great supporters uh, of SENZ, the Chemist Warehouse. I'm looking forward to them coming in and having a chat. And, uh, yeah, put another needle in my arm and give me that uh, that booster for the for the winter. I, I don't know, you know, like, I know Joe said, you know, he's he's not, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe that winter's here. Come on, he's been robbed for summer, of a summer. Um, if we've been robbed of a summer, what is our winter going to be like? Should we get it? Like, serious question. We'll, we'll poll the group here, Joey, Neeps, Yukimpi. Let's poll the group. Should we genuinely get a meteorologist on the show next week? Well, it'd be good to know, you know, like, I've been around for a number of decades, eh, boys? <laughs> you know? So I've seen <laughs> a few seasons, and I've got to say, probably the last six, seven, eight seasons have been pretty damn good. You know what I mean? So summers have been pretty good. And then this last year, last two years, it started to get a bit wobbly. I would like to know what the hell's going on with the planet. I think it's a great idea to get someone in to tell us about it. Joe, can you go and source us some sort of... Can you go knock on MetServ? We're not in the same building as the MetService anymore, but can you go and find us some sort of uh, um, climate scientist? 
I've actually still got my key card to the TAB building and they work in the same building as Met Service, so I can go in there and start asking some questions because I think this is conspiracy going on. I'm not happy. I can't <laughs> believe summer's over. <laughs> this is not okay. I guess we just need to be careful of treading uh, too close to the line and getting um, cancelled by the far right or the far left. Uh, <laughs> when you start talking, throwing around words like climate. No, but seriously, Kempi, I agree. Like, what, what sort of winter are we going to get? Are the tracks going to be bottomless? Uh, is it going to be a Kevin Myers winter or are they going to, you know, the Tony Pikes of the world going to be able to hang on there and, and, you know, rack up a few more wins with their, their dry trackers? I know. I, well, that's exactly right. Like, you know, does, do the tracks stay firm for longer periods of time? We don't know. Or does it just <laughs> get wetter and wetter and wetter and the DNA and the horses start to change and we look at these stallions <laughs> that no one's ever looked at before? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, do you know... Now you're, now you're talking about things that Clado would love. He loves talking about wet and dry track stallions. Stallions like Redwood, that side sharp and smart, who just seem to throw great wet track horses. Um, it's a very interesting, very interesting question. And you actually brought up two weeks ago what the climate was doing to injuries and athletes that are playing on these, these pitches that are more often than not cut up because of their use and uh, the weather. So, look, it's a very good question. Um one that we're not qualified to answer. But next week, maybe midweek, meteorologist. Let's do it. I feel, I feel like that's a, that's a great option. At 17 minutes past six, uh, there was big news yesterday, Kempi, and I can't wait to ask you about it. Can't wait question of the day. Temperbed Post text machine is double eight double three. The Kenatai phone line, you know this, 0800 150 811. I want to hear from you on this one. I want to hear from you on this one. Yesterday, big news, but I guess the reason it wasn't, it didn't feel like massive news is because we already knew. Scott Robertson's confirmed his assistant coaches for next year and beyond with the All Blacks. It was pretty much as speculated, so he's got Jace Ryan staying in there. He's got Scott Hansen coming with him to look after his defense. He has got uh, Jason Holland doing some strike plays and attack out of the Hurricanes head coaching uh, position. And Leo McDonald, head coach of the Blues, is coming to look after his backs and attack on a, um, a very full-time basis. So, question is, Kempe, do you feel okay about losing four Super Rugby coaches in one foul swoop to the All Blacks? And they are, if you think about it, taking Clayton McMillan out, our foremost experienced Super Rugby coaches as well. And this is after we lost Jace Ryan last year and John Plumtree only a couple of years earlier. So what do you think? Look, I like it. I absolutely love it. Um, I think from a coach's perspective, what the New Zealand rugby have done has shown that there's a clear pathway through New Zealand rugby for a coach, which is, if you look at the Gatlins, the Henrys, you know, the 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 PVACs currently that are all gone overseas because they, they can't see a pathway into that um, that all-black job, well, here it is. It, it got laid out yesterday. So you've got all these super coaches going directly into the all-black team. So what we're saying is we think that our competition down here is preparing our coaches um, well enough. And then you've got a head coach backing, which is really important, our local talent. So for me, man, I had a massive smile on my face. I couldn't believe it. Because what happens is the ripple effect. So you've got the likes of Tamari Allison underneath going, mate, I'm in, a, I'm in three hats here to get a super job. 
You know, you look at underneath that, at say someone like Jose Aguirre potentially going, well, I'm I'm in a chance as an assistant coach's role or um, to progress my career into a super rugby team. So it's the ripple effect that people, you know, they'll see the, man, we haven't got a head coach coach's role, but it's the ripple effect that will create that groundswell of coaches now coming through. And, and every other coach, I guarantee you, underneath that, will be looking at it and going, whoa, here we go. Now the opportunities are uh, abundant. You know, we can we can now start to move because five new positions have been created overnight. Fair enough. And that is exactly one way to look at it. That is that is what that is one side to look at it. The flip side of that, Kempi, and I want to hear from you on 0800-150-811, Ken Artai, phone line. The flip side of everything Kempi just laid out, which is an extremely good point, is that, well, you just lost four of your top IP to one, you've put them eggs in one basket. What does that do for Super Rugby and the product now? Are there people ready to step up to that level of IP and quality to take over this many roles all at once? Does that concern you about Super Rugby? Are there actually out and out Super Rugby fans out there that care about Super Rugby as a product, not just New Zealand rugby as a whole? And if you are out there, how does it make you feel? Because there are two ways to look at it. Kempi, I kind of tend to agree with you. And um, we can talk more about it just after this. But I want to hear from everybody on 0800 21 minutes past six. We're here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. And remember, Chemist Warehouse, it's flu shot season. It's vac season. They're coming in to talk to us about it just after eight o'clock today. So we'll let you know where you can get one, how you can get one, and why you should get one. Look, Let's be honest, the, the long and short of it is Super Rugby was pillaged for their top coaching. I tell you who's the big winner here, Kempi? The Chiefs and the Highlanders. Coaching continuity, mm. um, as well as the All Blacks, because those gentlemen that were named are all extremely good coaches. But you'd be kind of quietly happy if you were a, the Ch- a Chiefs fan this morning, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. You know, um, McMillan can coach. And, you know, Neeps raises a really good point because we raised that question the other day about which team – would be under pressure um, the most given the given how things have gone this year, and uh, we obviously said the Highlanders because they 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 are struggling at the moment. But you know, for continuity, uh, mm. those franchises don't have to worry about where the next head coach is coming from, all the disruption that it may cause to their um, to their their franchise. Because what happens when a new coach comes in is a whole new attitude, but also a whole new attitude towards players. So he, I've seen this so many times and been a part of it. When a coach comes into an organisation, you might be thinking you're going all right. He'd be thinking totally different. You know what I mean? The whole, I've seen a, I've seen a coach come into one organisation. Our defence was really solid, yeah. And he walked in. He went, "Your defence is terrible. All right, we're changing <laughs> it and we're doing this." And we're going, honestly, overnight we were like. Mate, we're the best defensive um, team in the comp. And he's gone, basically said, no, you're not. And and guess what? It worked. He, ch- he made one little slight change and it actually worked. It made us better. But a lot of players didn't like it and we lost quite a few players from it because of it. You know, They started to go, well, we don't like the changes that you're making because I can't handle it. And that's what you get when you get a new coach is you get this, this different mind, um, this different mind game type, attitude going on with people all the time and some players can handle it some players can't you see it you see them moving all the time so I think as far as the Chiefs and the Highlanders go they just you know not only that but the Chiefs roster come on wow the drums beating 
in the Waikato, including Huntley. <laughs> Brett. Morning, boys. Morena, morena. Hey, we have pathways for our players, and we talk about our pathways for our rugby players and stuff, but we have to look at our coaches in the same light. So what an opportunity for NPC coaches to step up for that level, to that level or um, the assistant coaches that these franchises have got for them to step up and, and take the reins. Yeah, right, Brett. That's that's exactly right, eh, Brett? You know, like when you look at it and the naming of five new super rugby coaches um, in this role, you go, you've got to, in your own mind, go, well, where do the next ones come from? They could, they come from your franchise, don't they? Yeah, well, Izzy always harps on about how he was overlooked by the, the Hurricanes, so are the Hurricanes going to look at their Wellington coaches, their Manawatu, their Hawke's Bay coaches? Um, Canterbury, are they going to look at Tasman, go look overseas? Andrew Goodman's been spoken about. Um, former coaches, Wayne Pivak, um, I heard you say that name, and that was one I hadn't thought about, Kempi and... Well, what about Rhino? What about Rhino Gara? Because that's the one. That's the one that's missing. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, a text that comes in here. He's just said, "I totally disagree with the coaching appointments. They've all come through a system that will give us a very similar product that we get today. Teams around the world will see this and fear nothing." Now, I disagree. And that's and that's a really, but that's a really good opinion. Like, if you look at Andy Farrell, that's come out of league. He's come from England mm. to Ireland. He's he's one tweak to the Irish. Um, coaching structure that has made it work. Like no one, no one's spoken. Like I haven't seen over the last couple of days. No one's spoken to Rays and said, "Where does um, Ronan sit? Ronan O'Gara sit in this in the structure?" Because I think he's going to name him personally. And uh, and when are you running off as defensive coach of the All Blacks, Tony Kent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. But there's a rumor coming up. There's a rumor mill coming up. <laughs> Very good, very good, Brett. Look, I hear you, and I fundamentally I agree around your pathways for play, uh, coaches like this pathways for players. But Trent that sent that text, I also totally understand where Trent's coming from, and I'll tell you why. Up after the news with Aroha for Kubota, together we're shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> You Aroha, 27 minutes away from 7 o'clock, it is Izzy and Kempi, Kempi and Louie here this morning, uh, let's get some headlines with Joe with Bunnings Trade Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass, Joey? Lots of live football to keep your eyes on this morning, obviously the big matchup between Man City and Arsenal kicks off at 7, but you've also got Chelsea versus Brentford, West Ham versus Liverpool and Nottingham Forest versus Brighton has just kicked off. Uh, elsewhere the Warriors will roll the dice at the NRL Judiciary on Ooh. Thursday and contest Dylan Walker's two games sus- suspension. The NRL's match review committee charged Walker with a grade 2 dangerous contact charge. If the club fails to have the charge downgraded or dropped, Walker will have his suspension extended to three weeks on the sideline. So a lot at stake there. Kane Williamson has had successful surgery on his right knee, but hopes of appearing at the Cricket World Cup appear slim. 
Gary Stead provided an update on Williamson yesterday saying that the chances of him playing remain unlikely, but they want him to attend in a mentoring role regardless. And the Black Caps ODI squad are getting ready to play Pakistan tonight in the first of their five-match series. Tom Latham spoke with media overnight about tonight's match and what the feeling around camp's like following Tuesday's T20 win. Uh, yeah, as you said, it was obviously a, a quality comeback for, from us being 2-0 down. Um, obviously, our limited preparation, we were probably a little bit underdone, but I think from game to game, we, we, tent, we, we got better and better, and uh, it was obviously pleasing to to get to that point to draw the series, but uh, obviously our focus switches to, to the ODI format now. We've got a couple of changes in the squad, uh, a couple of personnel changes, and I guess from our point of view, it's just about trying to play our brand of cricket as best we can. Uh, you know, we played a little bit of this format, uh, you know, back home. Um, so for us, it's about trying to continue that and uh, and keep building on, I guess, the performances and, and the momentum that we potentially built uh, through the T20s, and hopefully we can take that, uh, you know, straight into the game tomorrow. Joey, outstanding, very detailed. Love the headlines there. Uh, Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, one thing in particular, and I've tried to find a sound effect um, just to really sum up. It's a dice roll. <laughs> um, honestly, today I'm I'm just sitting on the judiciary waiting to hear whether it's one week or we got to extend it for another week, which is three weeks, and it is a massive three weeks. You know what I mean? So, how does it work, Kempi? Take us behind the curtain. Like, how does this? We'll get back to. Trent, and I want to make a point around the the, the rugby coaching and, and where we are in New Zealand, but I'm very curious about how this works and what the, the mentality would be around having a roll of the dice here, as we said. Well, it is a roll of the dice because he's been, he's been handed a grade, a grading, which comes with a penalty, and then if you take the grading on, it can, ex, it can extend the penalty. Um, if you lose your what, – what your argument when you take – your argument to, judi- to, to judiciary. Now, if I was sitting on the judiciary as a as a panellist, all right, and I was watching the game. Now, when I watched the game, my first opinion was that's a head slam. Mm. Okay, so I've been around donkey's years, and I called it straight away. I went, I said on the on the um, call to Sammy here while he was calling the game. I I said straight away, Dylan Walker's in trouble here, and everyone else had missed it. And they then the then the bunker said you've got to go back and have a look at that. Now, the guys that sit in the judiciary has seen this all the time. I think it's a really and and Andrew Webster's come out and said I thought straight away that it was just a momentum tackle pushing it down. It was a different angle, you know. When you get but you, they'll have all different angles. They'll have it all worked out what their argument is. It's all legally legally tied together, and they've obviously think they've got a decent argument to try and reduce the the. Um, the penalty to to a week, which is what they really need at the moment, given all the injuries that we've got, um, and we've talked about injuries, haven't we, and suspensions and what part they play. So, but I personally, I think it's a serious roll of the dice. You know, I want. I'd love to know if we could open a market on it on the TAB. <laughs> <laughs> that well, would you be could great. in England. Oh, you could in England. I said that. I said that to. Um, Someone this week, you know, you could bet on anything over there. You could walk into a, a Ladbrokes over there and say, right, I want to, I want to bet that he he doesn't get it. I want to bet that he gets it. And what odds were you given? They'll give you odds. They'll take they'll yeah. take your money. No worries at all. 
Yeah, uh, Mike says shouldn't have been charged to start with. Look, I thought so, Mike, but yesterday, I, and I defer to Kempi a million percent on this one because he's had it happen, he's done it, he's seen it, and um, Kempi explained yesterday why I thought it was a head slam. So go back and listen to our podcast channel, uh, Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast in the SENZ app or wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, and hear Kempi talk about the Warriors yesterday. Right, back to Trent's text. Totally disagree with c- coaching appointments. They've come through the same s- system. They will give us a similar product. Kempi, where I see Trent's point, I think New Zealand rugby and All Blacks rugby hit its low point coming out of COVID. And I think that it happened and where the six nations in the Northern Hemisphere got the split on us because by nature of context and situation, we only played ourselves, Australia, and then South Africa and Argentina, less so, for pretty much the better part of two years. And our rugby became insular. We didn't get exposed to Northern Hemisphere. We didn't get exposed to the different style, which, since rugby went professional, has pretty much what has shaped it into where the game had got to and how the All Blacks had been able to be ahead of the bell curve the whole time. They were seeing the world. They were playing the world. They were beating the world. Once that stopped happening, I felt like we were in a rugby echo chamber. Now... So with that same logic, I can understand where Trent would be coming from that, well, you've picked super rugby coaches all from the same pool. Super rugby, whether you like it or not, it is a style of rugby. Now, that doesn't mean, Trent, that these coaches aren't good enough and smart enough, and I believe they are, to be able to think outside the square and upskill themselves to get to that point. They might still be the right men to do that. But I do hear your point. And, and do you see it from that point of view, Kempi? Can you get that a little bit? hundred percent. Of course I can. Like hundred percent. There's two there's two points to make here. One is overseas competition is stronger. You know what I mean? So you've got this the not only that they're playing um, professional rugby at club level up through the, the northern hemisphere, but then they go into Six Nations football, then they go into test match football, then they got lines tours. So they've got plenty of football. So that's the first part that we miss out on. The se- the second part is is that the unions in the norm- northern hemisphere are innovative. They are not stuck in a stale, pale mentality. Hence the likes of a um, an Andy Farrell, a Sean Edwards. It will go right back to South Africa. Les Kiss and a Jeff Bugden have been brought in to enhance their team because they're innovative thinkers saying, well, this game's been around a lot of time. It's based on defence. We need to sort our defence out to beat the All Blacks. And we've suddenly gone past them because of that. And by the way, our defensive coach now is being head coach of England and the head coach of Ireland. You know, so I think, if I was to say where have they missed the the punch here, like I think Ronan O'Gara will be in the mix somewhere. Yeah, I think that relationship is strong, but I still think they're not thinking in, um, innovative enough to go and say, well, how do we catch them? Because it's not beating them; they have still got to catch them. So right, you're completely right. They have to actually make up the ground like the North had to do with us before we can go past them. Exactly, and if. And if Ronan's not involved with the All Blacks, which I, I tend to disagree, I think this is said and done, then I'm desperate for some Northern influence to come into Super Rugby. We, I would love an Andrew Goodman that's been overseas for a year and a bit now to come back and be head coach of the Crusaders. Where's Chris Boyd at? Where's Wayne Pivak? Where are these guys that have been in the North that can now bring their IP back down just to add that flavour to Super Rugby. I think it's a great conversation. We'll continue it throughout the morning. But up after this, it's Quizzy Dag. 0800-150-811. Give us a call. Take on the Kemp Master. This is how you do it. 
Quizzy that can play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that can play it. Quizzes on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that can play it. Quizzy that can play it. Oh, 800. 150 811. Now give us a call. Yes, and the lights are lit up here. 0800-150-811. Give us a call on the Kenarts Higher phone line if you want to play Kempe Quiz this morning. And uh, nice little tease there. Neeps, I was ready to go, brother. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but we're going to go to the lines here. We've got Simon from Auckland first up. Morning to Simon. Morning, Kempe. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. I've broken the singlet back out, mate. The room's nice and warm. Louis down there with his hoodie on. Uh, we'll get straight into it. Here we go. Uh, first question, only one conference semi-final has been confirmed in the NBA playoffs, the Nuggets versus which other team? Um, oh. Blank. Uh, um, you can ask for a clue. Oh, okay. I know it was gone blank at the moment. Yep. No. I'll have a clue, please. Uh, Charles Barclay. Oh, Phoenix Sun. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bang. Which city will host Joseph Parker's next fight? You're listening this morning. Nah, what? Well, I'll just have a stab at um, Four. Miami. Miami. Ooh. Unlucky, Simon. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Lammy, P. Nordic. Hey, go, mate. Oh, morning, boys. Oh, morning, good. Mate. Morning, boys. Morning, mate. Louis, eh? Oh, dear, Louis. Hey, Louis. We're missing you and your little banter with Izzy. Hey, which city will host Joseph Parker's next fight? Uh, would that be in Melbourne? Bang. Who do the Wellington Phoenix play on Saturday night? Oh, you got to be kidding me. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, give me a clue, um, please, um... Louis? Uh, Kimpy's old nickname. Oh, MacArthur. MacArthur. Oh, <laughs> there you Jeez. go. There Mac. you go, Mac. For smack. For smack. <laughs> <laughs> Which charity does Fight for Life donate their proceeds, uh, proceeds to? Oh, well, to be honest, I really don't know. So I'll just go cancer. No. But do do go and check that one out, Lammy, because it's a really good one. Because you can text and um, the little donation, it's awesome. But go and do yourself a favour and check that one out. Uh, let's go to Brad and Dunedin. Morning, Brad. Morning, Kempi. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Um, thanks for asking. Which charity does Fight for Life donate the proceeds to? Oh shit. Um, not I am hope. Uh, no there you go. We're gonna. We're gonna <laughs> can you say that louder? I am hope. <laughs> I am hope. That's dead. That's dead right. I am hope. Uh, question number four. Which charity? Oh no, that was question number four. Question. Oh, this is one for the money. I this am for hope. The, yep, this is for the money. Where? <laughs> where is the LOV tour playing this weekend? What's that? Sorry. Where is the LOV tour playing this weekend? Ah, uh, Singapore, isn't it? Oh. 
pay the believers. Too easy. Too easy. He's nailed that on uh, that last one. Look, I, did you enjoy that LIV um, footage from Adelaide, Brad? Um, yeah, quite funny. I saw an Instagram video of Chase just holding one from the grandstand. Yeah. That looks loose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the watering hole. I feel like, I don't know how, but we need to get a junket sorted for next year, Kimpy. Yeah, we do. And uh, well done on that, Brad. You got anything? You're, tip, you're pretty good at tipping us into something. What do you got? Um, oh, haven't had a look at the NBA power plays yet, but um, there'll be something juicy there. Oh, you, you were close with uh, your overtime yesterday, Brad. Very, very close. Yeah, um, I know. I know. Um, oh, Brutal. Trey Young. Yeah. I thought that game was heading that way for a second. Anyway, find something in the NBA. Tip, tip it through to us on the text line, double eight, double eight, three later on, and we'll let people know. Heaps of texts here stacking up. We'll get to those after this, Kimby. Coming up to 7 o'clock this morning, having great fun with Kimpy already. Uh, we'll uh, talk some NBA after 7 o'clock. There's a text there for you. I've just pulled into the middle there, Kimpy, from Ed. <laughs> Morena Brothers, Hosea gets a Ranfilly Shield Challenge. Don't be cats. Bring it to Rotoria. Maybe he could go the Maoris, and that's from Ed. Like, Ed's, been, Ed's been on absolute fire this week, Louie. He's he honestly. I think. I think. I might, I might have something to do with hanging out with you at the Grins race <laughs> last. What's that? Two weeks ago. He's still got those dancing shoes on. I saw he, <laughs> he posted an Instagram photo and it just cracked me up. Ed. You just cracked me up. You like screenshotted the Instagram photo, didn't crop it post properly, and then just reposted it. I feel like uh, just just oh, you're just too good, Ed. Um, a couple of quick texts here as well. Uh, morning, boys. I reckon Northern Hemisphere clubs would pay coaches way more than NZR, so why would they come back? Marshy, Hawks Bay, it's a valid point and great shout. Ted and Shag both did their time in Wales first, so they had that Northern Hemisphere experience, understood what was going on. Uh, that's right. Jimmy, uh, Appreciate your messages. Loveracing.nz, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Kimpy, you just piqued my interest earlier on. Talking about trainers that have had good seasons. So we know Mark Walker has just dominated the training premiership. Mm. He's 171 wins. They'll keep a few and work through the winter, but they'll slow down. Now, I just noticed Robbie Patterson and Kevin Myers are three and four. So 50% of the top four trainers in the country, central districts. How good is that? It's uh, unbelievable. They're having a, a really good run there. And, and not only that, they're picking off a couple of big races too, which Lisa Ladder is, is leading that um, this year. So good call there, Louis. And you're dead right, because outside Mark Walker is 33 group enlisted races. The next one you find who has a total that's anywhere near that, Lisa Ladder. She's 7th on the Premiership. She's had 10 group listed wins. It's awesome. So the Central District's going really well, and they're racing at Timaru today down in the South Island. Uh, good to see Andrew Carston, a South Island trainer, representation in the top 10 as well. Talking NBA up after the news with Aroha for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Four minutes past seven o'clock this morning. You're listening to SENZ, and boy, there is some live sport to keep an eye on. City Arsenal has just kicked off in the EPL. This will be title-defining, you would say. Fred De Jong, one of the best football minds in New Zealand, coming up before the end of the hour. Chelsea, Brentford, West Ham, Liverpool are locked up, and Nottingham Forest, Brighton also right now. 
Okay, uh, what else do we have going on? We're at talk some NBA, Kempe, but I just want to quickly rattle through a couple of texts here. Charles says yes to a meteorologist, um, and so does an unnamed texter. Please get a meteorological mind on the show. I want to know what juicy weather is. Any guesses? <laughs> oh, hey, I'll get, well, what, something that squeezes out a bit of rain, you know, tasty <laughs> sun, makes you feel good during the afternoon. I don't know. Something like that. Well, they're obviously talking about Auckland. Oh, Auckland is, yeah, tropical, juicy. I can kind of see that. And uh, Richard has got a great text here that I might save for just a little bit, Richard, but he's got a very good point around the NRL judiciary and afterpay. Um, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a great text. And my, uh, look, I don't see why not. Well, Richard, you just hang around and we'll get to your text before the uh, too long. But right now, Kempi, we're going to talk some NBA. Yeah, that's right, Louis, because it's getting a crunch time for many teams in the NBA. And yesterday, two teams were sent packing while Trey Young found a way to give the Hawks a lifeline in their series against the Celtics. There are four more playoff games of great consequence today. And to preview them, we head slightly north to chat with Ez Barahini, who's an NBA reporter up there in Canada. Good morning, Ed. Thanks for joining us and taking the time. How are you this morning? Good morning. Yeah, how are you guys? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Now you're welcome, mate. Look, the Raptors, they not might not be in the playoffs this year, but you know, all your hoop fans up there in Canada, are they still fixated with the NBA at the moment? Absolutely. I think there's uh, you know, Canada is obviously a growing spot for basketball. Uh, there's a lot of Canadian talent in the NBA right now. And even in the NBA playoffs, if you watch the New York Knicks, there's RJ Barrett there who's playing with the um, you know, with the why am I blanking out here with the New York Knicks? And then if you look at, you know, the rest of uh, the NBA playoffs, you know, obviously we had Shea Gilgis Alexander in the playing game with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So there's tons of Canadian talent that people are out here supporting for sure. Is it's great to have you on the show, mate, and yeah, with um, Andrew Wiggins as well. I've been watching uh, Canadian basketball really take the limelight for the last wee while, and I, I look forward to the day that you can knock off your uh, Northern American neighbours. Um, I, I want to ask you about a guy that you know intimately, Kawhi Leonard, because one of the sports media's yeah. greatest protagonists, Stephen A. Smith, has declared that he should be retired they should retire him because he doesn't play. Pretty brash thing to say, but he's a very frustrating character, and you got a close look at him when he was in Toronto. Do Clippers fans and Steve Ballmer and Tyron Lou have the right to feel aggrieved by Kawhi Leonard? I honestly don't think so. Uh, and, you know, you're right. I, I, I can't necessarily be completely uh, impartial when it comes to Kawhi just because of what he means to, you know, the city of Toronto, the Raptors organization, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the last season that he was fully healthy was the championship season. I mean, he played 60 games. He played 24 playoff games, which hasn't happened in a Clippers uniform yet. Um, so it's, it's you know, it's a touchy subject to say the least. But I think when it comes to Stephen A. Smith's comments, you can, you can <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous to assume that he should retire. Um, I think, you know, when you look at load management, Kawhi has become the face of load management, right? He has become the spokesperson in a lot of ways. But I think the rules of load management really only should apply to a man like Leonard, who clearly isn't himself anymore, who clearly can't get to that ability of playing a full NBA season anymore. And I think it really only applies to him. I think he can be able to still be a productive player, even in the games that he played in these playoffs and in this regular season, he was phenomenal. Uh, he's still shown that he can play at a high level when he's healthy, but it's just when he's healthy that is the big part of this, you know, 
equation, if you will. Is, you know, like the Phoenix Suns, are they legit, legitimate contenders or are they they got a problem with their depth in their squad? Yeah, I, I think the bigger issue, I mean, the, the depth will be a massive, massive issue here coming forward. Uh, I actually wrote an article yesterday. The Phoenix Suns starters have played 720 of a combined, I believe, 920 possible minutes in that Clipper series. So they, I mean, the, the Suns bench has only played less than 200 minutes uh, in that playoff series, which is very telling and very damning for that Suns depth. Uh, now, that's going to be a big problem against the Denver Nuggets, who are a deeper team, who can go to eight, nine guys. They can rely on, you know, the bench players, whether it be a Reggie Jackson, whether it be, you know, a Bruce Brown of the world, a Christian Brown of the world. Um, they can rely on some depth where the Suns can't. Uh, and if, you know, a lot of people know this uh, out here in, you know, in Canada and North America, but Denver, the altitude is going to be really, really tough on some of those sun stars. So if they're playing 40 plus minutes every single game, it's going to start to get exhausting, especially against a good team like Denver. Well, let's stay in the West before we tack back uh, your side, because I'm absolutely loving the slug, the offensive slug fest, which is the Sacramento Kings um, Golden State Warriors series. This is just, yeah. this is a version of basketball. That's well, it's frankly intoxicating. De'Aaron Fox, he's got this injured finger. Unlike Kawhi, he's going to play through the pain. Um, but is his, is his injury enough to put a bit of a kibosh on, on what the Kings can do? Or are the Warriors' road record just that bad that the Kings, with uh, home, the home advantage, they should get up? I think the Kings have found different ways to be successful, uh, even outside of Fox. I think, you know, they've, they've found contributions from guys like Keegan Murray in game four, who stepped up. He's a rookie. Uh, they've been able to go to a guy like Malik Monk, who's been awesome off of the bench for them this year and in the playoffs, especially. So I think there's different sources that they can go to, to sort of alleviate the pressure from Fox, if you will. But I will say uh, a finger injury is very different from tearing your meniscus <laughs> from experience. Mm. I'm speaking from experience here. Uh, so like, you know, fracturing the finger, while it might affect your shooting ability a little bit, it doesn't affect your ability to be quick. It doesn't affect your ability to be mobile. And one of the key, you know, skills that De'Aaron Fox has is his ability to burst out into the lane, to be able to get downhill, use his quickness. So I think he'll still be effective, but maybe that outside shot won't be as effective as it's been so far this series. I will agree with you, though. That has been an – like, that's how every playoff series should play out. The way the offense works, the way it's flowing, the way these teams kind of understand each other and, and are just – you know, like you said, they're going for a slugfest. That's the way NBA playoff basketball should be played. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty special, and I, I hope that uh, we see more of it these playoffs. Um, back east uh, today, 11 a.m. New Zealand time, we have the Knicks trying to close out uh, over the Cavs, as you mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, look, going down 3-1, we know the, the stats, we know how hard it is to come back. Are the Cavs any chance to at least steal one game and then go back on the road, pinch another and, and make a series out of it? Or do you think their spirit has been broken? Um, I, I honestly think the, the Knicks have just outmatched them physically. Uh, you know, the Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, even Josh Hart, just the physicality that they've thrown out at the Cavaliers it's just something they haven't been able to handle. Um, Evan Mobley, you know, he's a sophomore. He he hasn't necessarily dealt with this type of physicality yet in his NBA career, and it's very clearly showing. The same thing applies to Jared Allen. Like, those two guys, they're very big, they're very tall, but 
in terms of the physical side of the game, they're not as physical as these New York Knicks. And I think they've, they've tired out the Cavaliers. Um, so I don't know if they have enough left in the tank to be able to push it to six games. But if, you know, from all the 3-1 deficits that could potentially happen tonight, the eliminations that could potentially happen, I think the Cavaliers have the best chance of, of extending their series. Yeah, and and Trey Young too is he's been on fire. He's taken his game to another level. Can he get the Hawks yeah. to Game Seven against the Celtics? I think he can. I mean, look, he ever since they've uh, ever since Trey Young has got back home, they they returned to Atlanta in Game Three. He has just been absolutely unstoppable. I mean, right now I'm just looking at his stats. Right now he's averaging 29 points on 42, 33, 82 shooting splits. He's dishing out 10 assists a game. I mean, he's just been. Uh, absolutely electric offensively, and they've done a great job of getting him involved, getting him in places that that you know suits him, whether it be going downhill or pulling up. I think they just created a lot of opportunities for him to be at his best, and I do think there's a chance that they could force a game seven. There's only been three teams in NBA history uh, that have been down three one. Actually, no, sorry, that's three nothing. But either way, uh, I do think they have a pretty good chance to be able to push this thing to seven, especially with the way Trey's playing. We've kind of buried the lead is because I, I don't think many people had seen um, a playoff performance as special as what Jimmy Butler delivered the other day. And I don't yeah. think many people could have suspected that this – well, there's a podcast I listen to I love, Bill Simmons, and he's been calling them the zombie heat, um, which I think is so <laughs> funny and, and so apt because they're kind of like the walking dead really. And, and here they are now on the precipice of bumping – the best team in the NBA out of the playoffs. Could you believe that the Heat are about to knock Milwaukee out? And like, where does that put Giannis? I know he's banged up and he's injured, but you know, if he is the unanimous best player in the game, he's got to have something to say, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I, I think they have had a little bit of luck when it comes to Giannis's injury. Uh, I mean, they're shooting 20% better than they were from behind the arc in the regular season. I think they're shooting almost 50% uh, from behind the arc this in the playoffs in the five games that they've played versus they were a bottom 10 three-point shooting team throughout the regular season. So I think they've gotten lucky here with some good shooting, obviously Giannis being hurt. But Jimmy Butler has taken full advantage of the situation. Uh, and, you know, that playoff Jimmy moniker that he has is, you know, playing right into his hand. I think, honestly, I think the Heat end up winning this series either tonight or in uh, in Miami in game six on Friday. But when it comes to Giannis, I think I think it's just tough luck. You know, last year they got Chris Middleton hurt and they lost in the second round to the Celtics. And now this year it's Giannis who's hurt. And, you know, the Bucks can't really rally around anybody to be able to pull this victory off. It's an uphill battle, to say the least, and it's it's tough because the Bucks' core is aging. You look at Chris Middleton, he's in his mid-30s. Brooke Lopez, he's in his mid-30s. Uh, even Drew Holiday, he's entering his 30s. So this team is aging around Giannis, and now maybe there there's more questions to be had about how this core looks moving forward. Love it is. Hey, look, last one for, for me before we let you crack on with your day. I know what it's like and the, the funny sideways looks I get in New Zealand being a fan of Australian rules football, AFL down here. What about being a Canadian right. listening to the NBA, especially when the Leaves are in the uh, NHL playoffs? Do you get, like, um, kind of disowned by your own or what, how does that play out? <laughs> 
Well, like we, we, you know, hockey is still the the number one sport in the country, so we gotta we gotta support however way we can. I think the Maple Leafs are in a really important series right now. They're trying to make their own history, so it is what it is. But I, I like to stay in my corner. You know, I like to stay in my little spot of the NBA world and and let everybody else deal with the other sports. <laughs> nice corner three specialist Kimpy. How good that man is. That's been great, mate. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Have a good one. I love it. I love the hoops at the moment, Kimpy. It's um, such a good time to be an NBA fan. And we, there's a guy There's a guy called Dylan Brooks that agitated LeBron. And, and you would have tried to agitate some great players throughout the years, but it never really ends well, does it? No. Well, it depends who you're picking on. You know what I mean? Like some blokes, they're cats. And you can pick on them and they'll leave, you know, they'll, they'll meow and go back to their, their little bowl of milk. But there are others... <laughs> That you you and you agitate, and they'll it's like you're throwing them a bone that they like just love to chew on, and they won't the leave lions. you alone. Yeah, the yeah. tigers, <laughs> the big cats. <laughs> Mate, I did it one day to Mel Meninga, and uh, I was only 21 at the time. He was a legend at, at Mount Smart, and I got him right around the forehead, and. Um, <laughs> And while he was scoring a try, like I wasn't going to stop him. He was running around behind the post and I was covering from the other centre. He was playing, he was up against Kev Edo and I was, I can't remember who I was marking, but he was coming around the post. And I thought, that's cheeky. He's going to try and run past me and score under the post. So I just let him have it. <laughs> and, and I thought I broke my forearm. That's how hard I hit him. I just went whack. And all I could think about, no, shit, I've broken my arm. You know, like that. And he's jumped up and he said, I'm going to get you. And I was like... Come on, in my, you know, uh, packing my pants, I went, well, come on then. And, but in my head, I'm going, you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you oh. go. Uh, Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James, Tony Kemp versus uh, Mel Meninga. That's, I, do you know what? I didn't know that story, but I just there's something in me that just felt like you might have had one of those moments in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Mate, I had more than one. Don't worry about that. But that was one I would have regretted. Yeah, don't poke the bear, as they say. He poked the bear and um, he found out. Oh, I love it. Love the NBA at this time of year. 18 minutes past 7 o'clock, and Brad sent through a couple of texts. Here you go. Kings, Bucks, Lakers, Knicks to win. Multi it up at $15.40. Honestly, fellas, get me a segment on the show. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, he's, he, I'll tell you what, he knows his, he knows his hoops. So um, I've just had a look at those odds on there and gone through the uh, – It's a, honestly – Game five, um, yeah, I look, I think Brad's not too far off it, Louis. He's, he looks pretty sharp as well. And this, this is a, a wonderful slate of NBA games. NBA Wednesday is such a big day, so we'll be tuned in. And I can give you an update from Man City Arsenal. City put the pressure on Arsenal. One zip, 18 minutes through. Um, that is a lot of heat for Arsenal to now have to navigate. Now they don't just need to... They need to score. They need to score twice if they want to win. I don't even think a draw is going to be good enough for Arsenal at this point in the season, just with the wobbles that they've got. So this is going to be very interesting. And Fred De Jong's going to talk to us about it in about 20 minutes' time. But after this, we'll be back with more of your messages and Kempi's got a wee bit to say as well. Here with Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Who could have thought that the signing of Joseph Soali'i to rugby would have sparked a battle between the Australian Rugby Union and the NRL? A battle which has both organisations speculating about what the other will do 
to pillage each other's plane stocks. And while the Warriors enjoy the return of RTS, and Nathan Cleary and Payne Haas entertain the powers that be in a cross-code switch, the stakes continue to be lifted in a battle of egos. Big egos are at play between the men that run the codes in Australia. In a bold move, Mr Villandes has gone as far as offering clubs a million dollar salary cap exemption to go out and sign any player from rugby. And by the way, don't worry about the other codes included in this proposal. In reality, this scrap is purely between rugby and league in Australia. Any other players mentioned is simply a smokescreen. But hang on. Instead of seeing which organisation has the biggest wallets, how about giving a thought to what a million dollars could do for the game here in New Zealand? Heaven knows we need some money to develop pathways. And why are you worrying about rugby union players in Australia when your biggest development opportunity is in rugby league right here in New Zealand? Even better, come into New Zealand with the NRL and run our dysfunctional game. We have the best rugby and league players in the world sitting right here. If you're willing to give a million dollars per Australian player moving cross-code, I can tell you this, it will cost you a hell of a lot less than that to, to develop an army of your own right here on our doorstep. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. I think it was a mistake, Kempe. I like where you're going with this because I think this is a rare misstep from Peter Volandes. I think he's taken the bait from Hamish McLennan. Mm. I think he's taken... Taken the bait, and he has got a step ahead of himself because you got to th- remember what guys like Gus Gould and the NRL greats were saying when when the uh, Joseph story broke. Well, we don't. It doesn't bother us. We've got a hundred of these guys. We'll just keep producing them. We're not worried. That stance was correct if that's what you truly believe. But by panically sending out this news that you want to create salary cap exemption, what does that do? Well, that breathes life, and it says that what Hamish McLennan and the ARU have done, well, that was the right move, and we're worried about that, and that breathes into your game where, as you point out, the obvious, obvious solution is to stay calm, keep investing in your pathways, keep investing into your breeding ground, which is New Zealand, and win by being the best product. And I think it was a real mistake. It was, yeah, mate, I couldn't have said it any better, Louis. There was a line thrown out, and on that line was a sprat, and he took the whole line. He didn't worry about the sprat. He, he went up and bit, ate the boat. You know what I mean? He got he's He's got sucked into a fight, and it's now become personal and about a couple of egos. And when I, when I found out about that, the first thing I thought about is like, you're naive. You're really naive to be throwing numbers like that out when our game in this country, especially, could do with something like you know an injection like that. And by the way, you're talking about Australian private schools that have rugby players. Like you tell me, how many kids in West Sydney go to a private <laughs> school in Sydney? That <laughs> does not make any sense. It's actually it's actually insulting to the the league he created, which is well he's he's enhanced, which is the NRL. I think is in the best place it's ever been. I can I can't believe how good the NRL is this year. They are winning. Yeah, he's. They are winning the battle. You don't need to go like Hamish McLennan was. This was his best case scenario. And can you imagine, should we do a bit of role play here? If you're Hamish McLennan and uh, I'm your mate and we're just catching up at the, you know, this is you and Bruce Sherrick, we're just catching up at the pub for a beer and I'll come in and I'll say, Hamish, did you see Peter? Did you see what you got out of Peter? What would you say? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just start laughing. I'd just say, you got him. 
you've 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 hooked him and he's bitten and yeah, look, I just um, <laughs> I just can't. To be honest, I can't believe it because it's like I'll tell you what it's like. It's like going to a race in Australia, a horse racing meet in Australia, and coming to one here in New Zealand. It's chalk and cheese. It can be. That's exactly it. We've we've done this par- comparison before. This would be like Peter Volandis, who's also the boss of Racing New South Wales, saying, "Hey, I'm creating a fund for uh, Sydney trainers like Chris Waller and Bjorn Baker to go and raid New Zealand horses." It already happens. It's you don't exactly need to. Right. It's you don't exactly need to right. worry about it, mate. I know. And I look. I, I hope that he sees the common sense in it. But I'm serious. Around the back end of um, that off the back fence, like. Come into New Zealand, like spend your money wisely and and fix up a dysfunctional game here where it has so much potential to increase the depth of the NRL and the um and the players, you know, that come into it who are a lot better player. Like it's moving into the Pacific realm. Like the players are now let's go back and just talk a little bit about the NBA and the NFL. We are now moving into that NBA NFL um, stage where the Pacific now are taking over what predominantly used to be a game played by Australians. You know? Now, mate, take your blinkers off. Like, get your trainer in, take the blinkers off. You're ready to run. Jump in here, save our game, run it, and you've got a breeding ground of players that will come in and make your competition even better. And you're right, Louis, it is the best product at the moment. By, by, so by a country mile. It is, it is, I won't say the word, but it is, what, you know, washing all over Super Rugby. And, you know, AFL's AFL. I know they have code wars that go three ways in Australia. Um, we don't worry about AFL here, but AFL's just fine. Uh, AFL's great product. AFL's fine. You don't need to worry about it. NRL, you're also getting to that status where you're fine. You don't need to worry about it. Hamish McLennan was the one that needed to sign Joseph. He was the one that needed to make the play, and he was the one that needed a reaction, and he got it. I, I love it, Kempe. I didn't know that's where you were going today, but we're off the so- same song sheet on this one. What do you think? 0800 150 Kempe and me barking mad? Is Peter Volandis still the genius, and are, are we the ones that have taken his bait here, or do you just think this was a waste of time and, and actually not where the focus needed to be? 0800 150 Here's Aroha the News for Kubota. Together with Shaping Building New Zealand, Man City still 1-0 up over Arsenal. SENZ, we've got Fred Dion coming up in just a second to talk all things football. But right now, let's get some headlines with Joe. Thanks to Ken Tires to Easy Weekend. Visit a branch today. T's and C's apply. Rugby Australia has announced a $8.8 million surplus at its annual meeting. It's the first time Rugby Australia has had a surplus since 2018. A vast turnaround from two years earlier when the governing body recorded... That's because they can't get any players. <laughs> recorded a $29 million deficit back in 2020. And speaking of money, Kempe, India, Cricket, India Cricket's governing body is reportedly asking for a larger slice of the ICC's revenue. The BCCI has received close to $600 million New Zealand dollars from the ICC over the past eight years. However, they're pushing for its revenue share to increase to 37% from 22% in the next eight-year cycle – 
equating to about 1.4 billion New Zealand dollars. And Ollie Sale and the Wellington Phoenix are preparing for their do-or-die game against MacArthur this Saturday. The goalie told media that the team can't ignore the fact that they've been in a slump as of late, but they're confident that they can get the job done when push comes to shove. Look, if I'm being honest, you can't lie and say that the, the mood's great. You, we haven't won in five or six weeks or whatever it is, so um, you, you, you can't hide behind the fact that we're not exactly full of confidence. But um, like I said, we, we've played some great football this year and we know what we're capable of. And, you know, we're, we're well aware of the scenario and what's required. Yes, they know the scenario. Can they lift their performance to that level? Fred de Jong will... Let us know in just a wee bit. Kenata has two easy weekend. Uh, we've had one text here, Gimpy. Somebody is clearly intoxicated by the idea of un- uh, league players coming back to Union. Um, where would Nathan Cleary play? Oh, I assume it's Nathan Cleary, not Ivan, play in Union. <laughs> Mate, I don't know. Seriously, and Nathan Cleary wouldn't have a clue. Like, where would you put him? Would you put him at fullback? Well, I don't think he's quick enough. No. You know? Would you put him at number ten? Well, don't probably. I don't, oh, I don't think he's. Don't think he's a rugby union number ten. He definitely wouldn't put him at halfback. Or do you just use him as a crash ball? A number too 12. small. Yeah, like I don't know, Nathan, like seriously, Nathan Cleary is is contemplating going to rugby. He wouldn't be able to walk around Sydney. He'd have more chance thinking about going play in the NBA, I reckon. <laughs> I just find it really. Um, I th- look, I think I think Nelson Osefa Solomona had a chance of making it in rugby. All right, like big guy could, you know, could play in the back row of the scrum or even at second five if he needed to. Um, and it came out this morning that he was really close to, to signing um, with rugby. Spoke to Eddie Jones and and just decided that Melbourne was the place for him. I don't think there's too many blokes in rugby league that can switch back to rugby union. If Roger Tuivasa-Sheck can't make it with a bloke who can beat anybody on a football field with footwork, mate, it's it's pretty hard to say that Nathan Cleary's going to come back and scare a defensive line of rugby union. He hasn't got 10 metres to contend with. They're in, in we, your face. Kimpy, when are we... And I don't know if we... I, I, say, I think you're here. I've been here for a long period of time. I remember at NZME back in the day when the Herald was putting together their top athletes of the decade um, article for the last, for 2010-2020, and I said number one has to be Sonny Bill Williams. I said he's got to be above Richie McCaw and Dan Carter because I don't think you're grasping how hard it is what he did at both le- both codes at the top level twice. I know. Like, when, when, we, when do we realise that – and it's like they're talking about young Joseph, and not baby Joseph, don't get, get him confused, being like Israel Folau. Mate, he shouldn't even think about being Israel Folau. Do you no. know how hard it is? Yeah, and you're talking about the two that went back – Israel Folau went back and smashed all the Australian records, and Sonny Bill Williams – to go back and do what he did with the All Blacks and then come back and win an NRL title and then go back again? Yes. Like, I don't think anyone will ever do that again. Mate, if they do, I would be shocked. Yeah, he was an absolute beast, uh, Sonny Bill Williams. And, and people that say, look, he just couldn't play rugby union or he couldn't play, you know, play 
club rugby union or whatever, you've got rocks in your head. He won a, when he won a World Cup. <laughs> he, 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 he basically, he was innovative enough with the offload to create a plethora of offloads in the competition now because everyone that does that offload, it started with Sonny Bill Williams. It didn't start with Richie McCaw. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you did right. But I, I, yeah. I, so I just, like, when we talk about this stuff, I, I don't think we'd, I don't think, I think we get, we get caught up in the zest and the excitement of the conversation that we lose touch of the reality of it, which is just, it's, it's nigh on impossible to do successfully. And like, this goes back to Roger to but it goes back to this text here about Nathan Cleary. He just wouldn't bother because it's not worth his time. It's 21 minutes away from eight o'clock. We're going to talk to Fred De Jong about all things football coming up after this because Man City, while well, Erling Haaland just missed a chance, pretty good chance in front of goal. City though, they're 1-0 up and they look like they're cruising. Well, 44 minutes gone in the clash of the year and uh, City 1-0 up. It's a very busy time for football in New Zealand with the Knicks in a do-or-die situation, the Women's World Cup rapidly approaching and obviously you've had an eye on this fixture, Arsenal City, this morning. Fred De Jong, he's everything football in Aotearoa. We love having him on SENZ and he's been good enough to take a call just before half-time. Morning, Fred. How are you, man? Morning, man. All good. It's always nice to get up and watch a bit of football. Top quality stuff. It, it actually is, isn't it? And I've had an eye on it, Fred. You tell us, but to me, it looks like City's. Um, well, Arsenal might be lucky to only be one nil down heading into half time if they can hang on. Oh, one way traffic so far. I mean, um, City will be kicking themselves that they're not three up and the game's dead. And then, uh, and you got to think that this is this is the the championship um, decider, really. Um, you know, City with two games in hand. Going into the game, they were five points behind. So, you know, and if they'd won those two, they're one point ahead of Arsenal. Well, if they uh, if it stays like this or it gets worse for Arsenal, then you've got to think that that's the championship gone. And, and that's such a pity. Well, as we speak, oh, no, offside. <laughs> the flag's up. The flag saves City again. It saves Arsenal again. But, um, yeah, I think this is the turning point for the championship. And when they look back, Arsenal are going to be so frustrated because halfway through the year they were looking odds on to win the title. Yeah, morning Fred, thanks for joining us. It's Kempe, mate. It could easily be 5-0 watching it. They should have had a penalty yeah. in the second minute. And then, uh, oh gee, that's a that's a tough call, that one there. Um, Harlan's um, just basically beasting them again. Mate, what about the stadium, Etihad Stadium? Have you seen anything like it? You know, full to the... Full to the rafters with people and I watched them walk out was there is there anything better in in the EPL at the moment than that stadium no I mean it's I think you you look at some of the stadiums around the world and the atmosphere that they generate and you know it's um and I think this is this is something that that we really miss in in New Zealand and in this this the whole stadium atmosphere where you're going to get you know well there'll be 60 70,000 people here you know every week and you walk to the ground, or you go on the train, or you know whatever, and and you go, you know you, you, that whole that whole vibe you get as you go to the stadium. We don't really generate that unless it's basically for an All Black test, um, you know. And sometimes for the when the Warriors are travelling well and the like, but um, yeah, they have that every week, and they have it right across the country. So just incredible. It looks like this one might uh, might be two nil actually. Yeah, someone's someone's toe. It's kept John Stones on side, and so that's 2-0. That'll be 2-0. Oh. 
Wow, yeah, I'm just seeing that now. Yeah, it looks like in live time, it looked like Stones was well offside, really. But it, you're right, he's just at the. It's almost like in a horse race where one horse is, looks like it should win, but it's pulling all the way on the back of its stride, and the other one's completely stretched out. That feels very unlucky, but probably representative of freedom. You're just talking about stadiums. I reckon Christchurch has a chance. I reckon Christchurch has a chance if they can get this one right down here. It'll be close to the city, and it'll be great to see football. Um, maybe the, the All Whites be able to play some home games or football ferns down here when they have that new stadium. But on Arsenal, like, their fans, can you just put it into perspective for us, Fred, about how much mental torment this this campaign's been after a, a very long period of time? Oh, I mean, because Arsenal over the last four, five or six years at least have been have been um, poor. And so they, they went through a whole period under Arsene Wenger, where they seem to come fourth every year, make Champions League, but never really threaten for the title after they'd, you know, the, the famous Invincibles who, who went unbeaten through the entire competition. Um, so, you know, they've been waiting and waiting for this year, um, for years. And, it, you know, they thought they were, they were cruising to the title. I mean, it's hard to, to stay up there, but, you know, they thought this was their year. They were really confident. The team played really well. The team played great football. They passed the ball incredibly well. Um, but they just lack... I mean, if Haaland was playing for Arsenal, Arsenal would win the title. That's the difference between... They have Jesus, Man City have Haaland. And, you know, in essence, that's the difference between this championship, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, the wait will go on for, for Arsenal supporters, which is, uh, which is unfortunate. But at least this year... They're going to get back into Europe and play in the Champions League, which uh, for next year, which will, which is some consolation. Yeah, and probably Chelsea will miss out on that one too, Fred. And what about you know? It all seems yep. to be about Manchester, both Manchester United and City meeting in the FA Cup final too. Do you think City could go on um, and win the Triple Crown this year? Uh, yeah, I think they can. Um, I think the biggest test is going to be against Real Madrid in the semi-finals of the Champions League because you know City are a better team than Real Madrid. Um, but Real Madrid, somehow, they find a way to win those games. And, you know, they've won the, the Champions League, I think, 10 or 11 times, more than any other club in the world and in Europe. And then, so I just, I, they, have, they have some great players like Benzema um, up front, um, Vinicius Jr., who is so quick on the, on the wing. So they have bigger threats than this Arsenal team. So I think that that game will be... Uh, you know, that, that home and away um, uh, semi-final will be, I mean, the team that wins that, I think, will win the, win the Champions League. So, in essence, that's a home and away final. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to those games. Should be cracking Fred, football crack, as well. Fred, we'll let you crack on with your day, but just before we do, um, is there any reason Phoenix fans should be freaking out about Saturday night, or theoretically, should we be finals bound? Oh, no, I think it'll get in the final, uh, get in the finals, but it'll squeak in at sixth place. But then it's a matter of saying, oh, you know, your form's that bad going into the, just when you want it to be good, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction. So you, I don't think you can look forward to the finals with any sort of great confidence. But, you know, they're, they're one-off games, so you never know what's going to happen. Let's make the finals and let it play out from there. Halftime, Fred, awesome <laughs> stuff. 2-0, probably should have been 10-0. Um, good luck, <laughs> Arsenal fans. <laughs> Thank you for your time this morning, Fred. <laughs> exactly right. Cheers, guys. Oh, he's a legend, Kimfi, Fred yeah, De Jong. He's good fun. He's a good bloke and uh, always good to talk football because he's he's right on the money. And, of course, he's up in the morning watching this game 
you know, when is he not up watching football? Oh, seriously. Like, you could ask Fred about, and like, we didn't have time there, but you could ask Fred about the, the Danish league or the, the top flight Dutch league, or he would, he's on the pulse. Talk about being on the pulse. He's on the pulse. We've got some great text messages here we'll get to after this. You listen to SNZ. More than an athlete with Sione Farmawina coming up after 8 o'clock. But the text machine, you've had it on fire today, Kempi. Chris says, undoubtedly, Louis, yes, Sonny Williams should have been top one, at uh, the number one. But it's forgotten that he played in France to start his rugby career, Chris. Yeah, that's right. That was a, a bit of a tumultuous exit from the NRL. Then what about that from Irish John Kempi? Yeah, how would Richie McCaw have got on in league? Look, I think with his motor... He would have got on just fine, <laughs> absolutely fine. Where would you have played him? You would have given him a Kevin Campion role and said, just follow me. You know, I'm going to carry it 100 times. I'm going to have 4,000 stitches inserted because I'm going to put my head where no one else wants to, and you better follow me. And that's the role that I think Richie McCall would have played in rugby league. But the point is, Irish John, he didn't because he didn't need to. Because it was that hard and his legacy was already built that why would you risk it? And that's what people probably miss about Sonny Bill Williams. He put it all on the line to be one of the great ones. And he, he won. He succeeded. Stratty says Geordie could do what money Bill Williams did. Well, again, like, I just don't think you can say that, Kempe. Like, do we, you know what I mean? If, you, if, if there was a player, Louis, Geordie Barrett, for me, watching rugby union players and maybe Artie Savia, current All Blacks, would would definitely um, be worth a shot. You know, Sean Stevenson, the Dolphins have obviously seen something in him. The difference with rugby league and rugby union is that you're making, you know, 10 tackles a game in rugby union and you're running at, at you know, if you're a winger, for instance, or a fullback, you're running at space. Mate, in rugby league... You're running and getting bashed every time you get a you got to return a kick a kick return, and that turns people off. hundred percent, it does. Chris says, "Funny how people were questioning how many coaches Fozzie needed. Now, how many does the, the best coach in the world need?" Chris, point taken. Razor, Leon McDonald, Scott Hansen, uh, Jace Holland, Jace Ryan, Nick Gill stays on. Oh, good call, Louis. I was just going to say that, and Nick Gill stays on. He's a great man, a very good man. Here's Aroha with the news with the Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. It's the only farm we know. I can't wait for this. Fight for life tonight. Let's get into it. Eight o'clock this morning. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Daggy and Beeve having the time of their lives up in France. Kempe and me holding down the fort with a bunch of other legends, including Fred Diong, who joined us just before to talk all about the Premier League action this morning. Arsenal down 2-0, watching their season maybe slip away against Manchester City. Elsewhere, Liverpool, West Ham tied at 1-0. Tottenham, uh, Nottingham Forest is up 2-1 against Brighton. Brentford, whoa, I've got a split on Chelsea 1-0 as well. So lots of live sport going on. And later on tonight, Kempe, 
It's going to be one of the most popular sporting events of the month. I can't wait for this. Yep. Caring for our communities, out of the gym and off the park, working just as hard paying it forward to our next generation. This is More Than An Athlete with Izzy and Kempe. Brought to you by Tremaine Real Estate, bringing people and property together in our communities. Just jumped the gun a little bit there on you there, Louie, but that's right, the absolute staple of New Zealand sporting calendar. Fight for Life is on tonight at Event Finder Stadium. Today, we're catching up with rugby league great Sione Fomuina as he takes on DJ Forbes in a rugby union versus rugby league scrap for the ages. It's going to be a great night. Of course, Fight for Life means so much more than our greatest athletes battering it out uh, together. They also look to raise money and gain awareness for I Am Hope and our Tomariki dealing with mental health issues in Aotearoa. He's on the line with us now, Sione. He must be nervous. How are you feeling, brother? Hey, morning, Kimpy. Uh, yep, definitely nervous. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Uh, I'll probably do an interview in the morning and help calm the nerves a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Look, mate, just tell us how this came about, and um, you know, how's the training been going uh, ever since you made your mind up that, yep, I'm going to actually jump back in that ring. Yeah, well, it actually came about um, through Monty. So Monty reached out and said if I was interested, but uh, if we sort of go back to 2019, um, I moved back from Brisbane, and uh, and I remember as soon as I moved back, I started dropping the hints to Monty back then. Uh, I said, bro, I'm, I'm keen, man. I'm keen to do Fight for Life if you have a spot. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, as soon as um, he messaged me oh, about... Oh, a couple of months ago, he knew I was going to say yes because I, I'd sort of been probing it for the last couple of years. It's the only Louis here, man. Thank you so much for taking a call, and I, I totally agree. If you talk about something enough, you can kind of settle those nerves about it. So uh, hopefully we'll, yeah. we'll try and leave you in good stead this morning. I'm just doing some reading about kind of your motivation, and oh, you've had an incredible journey, but your motivation to get here as well. So going back to 2019, where were you with your health journey and your, your weight? Because I know that's been something that you've been quite open about. Yeah, so I moved back in at the end of 2019 and I was probably weighing in at around about 124, 25 kilos, uh, which is the heaviest I'd ever been until we went into those two lockdowns and then um, I ballooned out to 133, 134 kilos. Um, after the year, after the uh, the lockdown, so uh, I think for me it started to sort of hit home. I had just turned forty, and I was like, "Man, I'm getting on." This is when I think a lot of middle-aged men really need to start looking after their health and and well-being. So um, yeah, I reached out to my brother, and um, who's an elite crossfitter and a PT, and I told him, "I said, mate, I need to get back into shape." Uh, can you help us out? And then, yeah, I started the journey alongside my wife. Um, yeah, um, and sort of where I am right now. And it's been an awesome journey, um, Sione, just getting back down. I think what you, you said you're around 107 kilos at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, yep. I'm around about 107, 108 kilos. Uh, and, you know, I'm not so, I'm not far off my playing weight. I don't think I'll ever be at my playing weight. Kimpy, you know, as, as you know, back then, that, that was our job. Right, we train two, three times a day. So, 
trying to get back to playing weight is probably not sustainable. So for me, I'm happy to, to be around uh, 110 kilos for my for my uh, age and height. So um, just fortunate that I've been able to incorporate it as a lifestyle as opposed to um, you know just a, a 12 week challenge. Yeah, well done, mate. Hey, I want to I want to touch on um, just your journey a little bit here. And we're going to go back a little bit. Just take us mm. through, you know, like as a player, as a 21-year-old, I was telling the boys when me, you and Mutu and Daniel were sitting in the, the foyer down in the Canberra Hotel when we signed you that year. Mm. But just the support, you know, when you when you go from being a, a young athlete through to reaching the, the dizzy heights that you did and the, the support mm. that you didn't have back then and why it's so important. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good question, Kempi. And, you know, I, I still remember that meeting that we had back at the uh, hotel in Canberra. And, um, you know, it's for me, it was really tough um, just not having that support because when you're young um, and you're in a team that's doing well, everyone loves you when you're, you know, you're on top. And um, I didn't know how to deal with it. I guess looking back, uh, a lot of it did go to my head. You know, I was walking around like, oh, you know, I'm the man. I'm, here I am. I'm 20, 21, 22 years of age, already own a house and looking to buy a second one. Like all these things that come with it, right? And I was just, it was all new to me. Um, and so one of the hardest things for me was when everything was going right and everything was going well, I was fine. But as soon as it wasn't, oh, that's when I was like, oh, now what? <laughs> Sucks, you know the team's not going well. We're getting hammered in the media. I'm getting hammered in the media. Far, like, what do I do? So that that at that time was really hard for me because I, I honestly had no idea what to do. And and take us through that journey, mate. Like, so you go through that journey. Like, we're talking 2004, 2005. Things get, mm. you know, really bad. You decide to move over to Australia, and like. You meet your wife and and you get married. You know you get married at the time, and then that that uh, opportunity to come home, but you're still feeling a little bit a little bit anxious about it. How'd you deal with that? <laughs> yeah, I, when I'm so I met my wife in Brisbane, and um, we were dating, and then obviously you know we got together, got married, and she's a Kiwi, um, and one of the things I kept telling her throughout our relationship was I'm never moving back. I'm never moving back to that place. Um, you know, I'm done with New Zealand. I'm happy where I am. I, I just don't want to go back. And then never say never, three three children later, um, and we moved back. And it was great, Timby. To be honest, I was happy. You know, we caught up. I saw you when I came up to Auckland that time. And, you know, I was happy just sort of keeping a low profile, living in Otorua, um, and, yeah, not, not really getting recognised and just, you know, it was, it was really good. Then the opportunity came to be on MatchFit, the TV show, and uh, I really had to have a chat with my wife because she knows how much um, you know it affected me being in the uh, in a negative light here in New Zealand during those those years. Um, and then I had to tell her, I said, "Babe, I don't know if I really want to do this show. I don't know if I'm ready to be back in the public eye because I still have this anxiety around, you know." people still have this perception of me from who I was before. So, um, but one of the things she did say was, babe, that's not you anymore. This is a way to sort of 
get back out there and show them that you're a father, you're a husband, you you know, you're this is what you're doing now and you know, you're forty one, not twenty one and and when she put it like that, I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, no, nah, that that's right. And then the second option was to reconnect with the boys because as you know, Kempi, once you're retired from footy, you're you know, it's it's a long time retired. So and you can go years without catching up with the boys. So that was another sort of real um positive for me to do the show was to reconnect back with the with the guys and so far it's just been nothing but positive um feedback from the media and also the public um with match fit and then now obviously doing fight for life so you know my mate was teasing me he was going man you're all over the place i see you on the news and the papers magazines i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh yeah but this time it's all for for a good good cause and for for a good show so <laughs> uh that's that must just be so rewarding already, and you haven't even got to tonight, uh, Sione. And actually, look, Ali said the same thing when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He said um, catching up with the old boys was was such a, a nice experience. What are some of those tools that you picked up throughout the years to be able to deal with it better this time, being back in the limelight? Like, what are some things you learned about yourself and you can pass on? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I, I've learned over the years was ownership. Um, being able to take ownership uh, for what's going good and for what's not going good. Um, once I started to have that sort of mindset, uh, it sort of changed my whole perspective on things. And then secondly, um, being a leader. So for me, I'm a father and a husband. And, you know, I I know now that, you know, I have, a, you know, I'm a role model to my children. So... <laughs> Although I'm, um, you know, back in when I was playing, I, I didn't really see myself as a role model. Um, now I, I am, and so I'm always wary with, you know, uh, how I act, who I'm, who I'm being, especially in the public, because you know I've got my children looking up to me, and I want them to to, to see how how daddy acts and 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 um, you know and and everything is that I do is it is for them. So those are the two biggest biggest differences and I was actually just talking to one of the other boys um last week around you know I, I don't think you know I don't think I was ready to be a father married and settled down during my 20s uh, I don't think I was mature enough so you know now I'm 42 three children another another baby on the way uh, it's taken a while but um but yeah I'm really happy where I'm where I'm at right now in my life Hey Sione you've got um you know the, the match fit stuff going on as well. And, and the cool thing about it, which a lot of people wouldn't realise, is that you've got Ali Lautiti, Jury Susu, yourself. Um, and we can even, uh, I, I don't know whether they phoned Paulie Fatiura because he's fit, he's fit as anything. He doesn't need to be on it. But all working in that that space of um, yeah. mental health and, and helping our rangatahi out. Like, how important do you think it is for ex-athletes that have been through those tough journeys like you went through, um, like we've all been through, that, that actually yeah. go back and tell their stories, especially to the kids these days and how, um, and how they're dealing with it um, day to day, especially the way that social media is? Oh, Kimpy, it, it's so important. Uh, you know, I believe, I believe it's so important for a lot of ex-athletes in any, uh, in any discipline um, to just share their story because there's no um, how-to book, right, written for professional athletes. Hey, here you go. Here's what to expect, blah, blah, blah. So for us as former professional athletes, I think we have a, a duty to, to share what, what we went through 
um, with the next generation, so then they can pick up, okay, well, this is what, um, you know, Shona went through, this is how he dealt with it, but this is how he would deal with it now if he was in the same position. And it's those sorts of things that I think are really valuable. Um, you know, on social media, there's a lot of current professional athletes that follow me, and so I'm always mindful of just trying to share little little nuggets um, mm. so that they can pick it up, right? Um, because with the money that's on offer now, especially in the NRL and rugby, uh, man, there's a really, really good opportunity for them to set themselves up. Um, it may not be set themselves up to retire you know, for life after footy, but definitely set themselves up to have a really good springboard for the rest of their life. So, um, And that's something that you know, I wish I, I had done. Um, but, but as you know, Kinsey, there was no one out there that was really trying to teach us how to do a lot of that stuff. So... Um, yeah, so to answer your question, it's 100% important, I believe, for former athletes to, to share their journey and story. Yeah, well done, well done, mate, and well said. And of course, you know, talking about your journey, you've decided to jump in a ring tonight against DJ Forbes. Like, how's the training gone? And uh, just take us, can you give us a map of the fight? Like, what are you, what are you expecting? Uh, are you expecting a, like a knockout in the first round, or are you going to take it the distance? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, training training has been tough. Um, it is, it's been really hard, um, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, and I take my hat off to anyone that jumps in the ring. I take my hat off to anyone that is a boxer. Like, geez, they are built different. Those <laughs> those lads and, 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 and girls that box, man, honestly, I'm like, far out. You guys are awesome. Um and then, yeah, going up against DJ, obviously I'm giving away, you know, I've got the reach, I've got the height, I've got the, you know, uh, all those stats are in my favour, but that means nothing when you're going up against someone like DJ, the calibre you know, of DJ Forbes, who's, everyone knows he's super fit. Um, you don't play sevens under Gordon Titchens and not be resilient and mentally tough. So, you know, I expect DJ to keep coming forward and keep coming forward all night. Um, and so for me, I'm, you know what, Kimpy, you know, you've seen all the other previous fight for lives, you know, they've been big slugfest, haymakers and that. Bro, I didn't spend eight weeks to jump in the <laughs> ring to throw haymakers. Like, I could have just not trained and taken a couple of shots of tequila and jumped in, right? Like, I trained eight weeks, hard eight weeks. And learn combos, learn how to how to defend, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to showcase the skills that my trainer has taught me, and I'm going to box, um, and uh, and yeah, go, and and go for the win. <laughs> Let's go! And, and that's why you could trans you could transfer from the 13 jersey to six, mate, because you were a smart man. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Sione, jab and move tonight. We'll be watching. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule this morning, mate. Just. Breathe, brother. Breathe and get in that ring and get yeah. that get that number for us. You know what that number is? Another one for Rugby League. Love you, brother. You take care. That's it. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Kippy. Thanks, Louis. Here you oh. go, Louis. It's honestly, honest as what honest as a day day old here with the way that he's approaching this fight. I've never heard anyone say that yet. Like I've trained for eight weeks. I'm not walking in there, which is what it normally is, isn't it? The 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 fight for life is they just get in there and they just start throwing them. He's like, not a chance, mate. I'm I'm moving. I'm getting around that ring.
And it, do you know what? I believe him. Like, I don't think when the lights come on, he's going to fall back into that trap. He just sounded so sincere about it. Um, brought to you by Tremaine Real Estate, more than an athlete, bringing people, property together in our communities. And down in Rotorua there, Sione Farmawina has turned his life around and he's building a new one. Well, he's built a new one for himself. That's just so inspirational to hear guys talk with so much clarity about um, who they were and, and you know there's no shame in becoming somebody slightly different or another version of yourself Kempi especially if it's for the better like that and hearing him talk about that tool of ownership good and bad and I just it's just so inspirational for a younger person like myself to hear that you know you just don't stop evolving and even if it, it doesn't go great all the time there's a, there's a chance that you can get back on the horse and, and evolve as a human being I, I just loved it I thought that was really really inspirational to be honest yeah no he's um He's got one hell of a story, Louis. You know, and I guess the you know if you put yourself in his shoes, he's sitting in Australia, and and this is the problem with mental health. You know what I mean? Like the 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 dog, the black dog, it gets on top of you, and it's sitting there and it's talking to you all the time about things that you've done in your past or challenges that you can't face, and it just grows. and And that's what he's basically saying. The moment in time was he was living in two thousand and four, and it was two thousand and eighteen. Um, and people had moved on, and and like I take my hat off to the, to to Sione. I was with him when he went through a lot of that through his rugby league career. I was speaking to him, you know, he was in a pretty pretty bad space at the time. But to see him now, you know, and I sent him a message yesterday, and you know, straight away, yep, I come on and talk. You know, he's been really open about it. So um, they're doing great work. And the point being, Louis, like the older boys that have been through it, there's none better to talk to the younger guys that are headed towards it. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. Really, really, really proud of um, uh, what he's been able to do there and, and stoked to be able to chat to him. Fight for life tonight. Build, build people, New Zealand's top talent recruiter. They're heavily involved with Dean and I Am Hope and the whole organisation, Fight for Life. 3-0, City leads Arsenal. We might look at some of these Fight for Life odds with Paulie Mwadi up after this. Here with Chemist Warehouse, Real House of Fragrance. Ah, yes, Paulie Mawadi, not far away from TAB, but there's a couple of good text messages to get through. Mark says, Kimpy, you and Louis should do the next fight for life, and you could fight an ex All Black, and Louis could fight a retired jockey, Mark. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, Kimpy's no. already said he wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't tarnish Hutchie's good brand like that. Yeah, no, exactly. That's dead right. I, I would try to move around the ring, but I couldn't with my knees, so I'd be, I'd be just a sitting target. I'd be swat- you, just, you know those you know those little dolls that had no legs of, that you put them on there and they just swayed like a bowling pin. <laughs> they just went side to side. That's Mark. That's what I'd be like. I'd be just trying to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, but if you connected, Kempi. Oh, oh wow! Oh, Watch yes. out! <laughs> Look out! Old Hector come. Hector would go. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Mark. I like the thought. And also, I wouldn't take on a jockey. They, mate, those jockeys, they they put their body through torment day in, day out. I've never put my body through torment once in my life. I wouldn't get in a ring with those guys. They're crazy. Um, Richard, this is the text you wanted to read earlier. Yeah. He's, Dylan, yeah, you read oh, it. There you go. No, you go. <laughs> if Dylan Walker is found guilty, can we have an afterpay and have it served after like Taylor and May? If there's a market, it'd be 101 for guilty because he's a warrior. <laughs> now, oh, look, I think that's such a good text because everyone's forgotten about the Taylor May incident, haven't they? You know, we. I think I think the NRL actually want people to forget about that one. Like, let's 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 ban him, but let him play. 
um, wow. type thing. What was he doing? He was in a KFC getting into a scrap or something, was he? Yeah, and he and, and he got a deferred payment for his um, his suspension, which is what they're doing. Look, Louis, I think just quickly on this on this mm. thing, I think you know, given that the Warriors, because there's been a lot of talk about that try. All right, that Nick Meany scored when the six hands, I call it the six hands from heaven, went up to get that ball and only four of them touched it. You know what I mean? Mm. And they both happened to be the Warriors. I think they're going to look at this if with a little bit of um, compassion. That's that's what I'm hoping. So, you know, they can't be robbed on that play and then rub out Dylan Walker. Uh, look, ordinarily, I would understand where you're coming from, but... This week, I've put on my conspiracy cap, but I'm with all of the Warrior fan pages on Twitter, and I'm saying there's no chance because the NRL they love to put the boot in. I don't, I don't think they're going to do us any favors, Kimpy. I'm, I'm just, I've seen it too many times. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're meant to be playing every NRL team at home, aren't we? We spent four thousand years so, in Australia, and the <laughs> NRL came out and yeah, hey, said they were going to support us. What about a salary cap exemption for the Warriors after we saved your effing competition? You know? Forget the union players. God. I'm loving the Warriors at the moment. The game on the weekend, uh, Sunday, 4 o'clock, they don't be on smart. I'm going to pack it out again, Louis. I think there's over, you know, they had 23,000 there last time. I think they're going to get more there this week. Um and and every one of them is gonna be going. I, I bet I reckon the referees at the moment they're going. Have Graham Ennis is going. Who wants to do the Warriors this weekend? <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I don't want, oh, I'm jealous. I'm not going to be there. You guys will have an absolute uh, humdinger. It's going to be so fun. SCNZ with all the coverage of the One New Zealand Warriors, of course. Sammy Hewitt and Kimpy on Sunday. We're half past eight o'clock. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Twenty-seven minutes away from nine o'clock, and uh, tab.co.nz is where you can go to for all of your markets. And I hope that everybody had the sense to duck and dodge like Sione Farmer in the ring tonight against DJ Forbes when Paulie Moati was trying to tip everybody into motivation yesterday. <laughs> Give us some motivation today, Paulie. Come on. Unbelievable. I, I can only hope that the punters decided to stick with Stella Splendida and Syndicato and had a fill-up after that just disgraceful effort to try and throw us off the scent pool. Look, I'll, I'll tell you something. I've been motivated after I listened to that chat you just had with Sione Fatamuina. It was just so good to hear that. He's a really, really happy man now. Um, and he's come through the other side. He's faced adversity. Um, and it was just really good to hear. And I thought he came up with a great business proposition um, to, to maybe publish a rookie professional sportsman's handbook. And, and he could get together with a, a number of other professional, ex-professional sportsmen and maybe write a chapter each about the sort of the issues that they faced and, and how they got through. And, and that maybe may help out um, the budding professional sports or the potential professional sports men and women 
that are coming through at the moment. So, yeah, I, 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 it was a great chat. And one of my favourite memories of uh, Sione was, I think, he was part of one of the greatest Warriors tries of all time um, against the Brisbane Broncos. I think he may have thrown the last pass to, to, backwards over his head. That's uh, right. Um, to Ivan Tumuavi. That's right. To Imavavi, yes, yes. So, yeah, it's just great to hear. And I can see people must have been watching the news last night because yesterday Sione uh, was paying around 350 plus to beat DJ Forbes in the fight for life. He's now coming to $3. So we've seen a significant amount of support for Sione Fatmoina to win his fight for life bout against DJ Forbes, who is now $1.35. Oh, Paulie. Uh, Sione at 3 bucks. I'm just having a look through the uh, card here. Liam Messam. Oh, do you know what? Oh, look. For the goodness of New Zealand, I'd love Liam Messam to win. Uh, one of the five people to play 350 first-class games and to still have the energy to be out there boxing. But Justin Hodges went the full distance with Paul Gallant. And like that's a pretty good form line, isn't it? That is a huge form line, you're right. Um, even so, Liam Messam has been one of the best-back fighters on the whole car- for the whole card tonight. So... Um, Justin Hodges doesn't have a lot of, lot of friends here in New Zealand, um, and so they're backing against him. They're taking Liam Messon. But I agree with you. I think Hodges, with the sort of experience he, he um, had in that big bout uh, against Gallon, um, he, he would have taken a lot out of that. So I think he's a huge, huge chance at 210. I thought these guys would be a wee bit closer together in terms mm. of odds, but there is Justin Hodges sitting out there at $2.10. I think he's definitely definitely worth throwing into a multi or two. I don't mind it, Paul. And I tell you what, I like another outsider, Sa- slamming Sammy Tuitupo, because they've brought him back, and they wouldn't fly him back from the UK for nothing against Roy Asotasi, the legend of the league game. So, look, there's a, a couple of good ways to go with the Ruffies there, mate. Uh, have a good weekend, Paulie. Um, we will chat to Pip tomorrow, and we'll make sure we follow along with his markets throughout the day before the fight for life. See you, mate. Yeah, good on you. Um, and I think, look, I've got a power play in tonight's NRL match between the Sharks and the Cowboys, and I think Thunder should have a little stab at it. It's mm-hmm. Ronaldo Mulitalo to be the first or second try scorer. I can guarantee he won't be putting his hand on the sideline <laughs> if he's diving over for a try tonight. So it's him to score the first or second try tonight, and the Sharks will win 13 and over. I think they're going to expose this Cowboys uh, team. Match paying $7. It's a power play. I should be paying 50s. Little- <laughs> I look forward to your uh, you on the fight for life next season. Uh, are you are you available, me and you? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you can't move around. I'll be running around the ring away from you, Kimpy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> They'll put us in clown costumes. Will be the entertainment between rank, between rounds. Oh, you can talk to Bradley yeah. Bacon about that. <laughs> All right, thank you, Kimpy. Thank you, Paulie. We will keep kicking on this morning. Uh, TAV.co.nz, RA10 Gamble responsibly. After this, we're going to be healthy. Chemist Warehouse, huge, huge, huge partners and friends of ours here at SCNZ. And it's that time of year that you better start looking after yourself and your whanau. So we might look at um, getting a little bit of a live edition of a flu vaccine, a flu jab with Kempe coming up after this with our friends at Chemist Warehouse. It's 22 minutes away from nine.
16 minutes away from 9 o'clock, and there's a few ways to know it's winter. Um, one of them is that I'm just rugged up in my hoodie down here in Christchurch, and it's very fresh outside. Another one is just ask me, Kempi's horse is back at the races, and <laughs> it is a winter horse through and through. And the third way to realise that is it's World Immunisation Week, uh, the 24th to the 30th of April. So 2023, who is concentrating, that's the World Health Organisation, on highlighting the importance of vaccination uh, for all ages and our partners and friends Chemist Warehouse they have been um, a big part of this for a long period of time last year they came in and did this for us Kempi and, and this year they're doing a big push all over again it's very exciting to have our friends back in studio that's right we've got Rev and Louise in from the Chemist Warehouse this morning Rev um, thanks a lot for coming in and joining us this morning just with the with the flu jabs and of gone over some of the notes the you're the, at the chemist warehouse you can come in and get the flu jabs as, as well as I see the COVID COVID um, jabs are still there so just take us through some of the um, the yeah. offers that are, at, that are out there yeah thanks thanks Tony yeah thanks for having us back in um, yeah it's it's flu season at the moment so that, that started on the 1st of April so that's kind of a big focus at the moment to try and get as many people vaccinated over the next couple of months in the flu um, COVID jabs are still there um, for over 30s uh, as boosters um, but a big focus for us has been the, the flu jabs as well as the other vaccinations that are available uh, on site like Boostrix and, and others yeah. women in Chicago. And have you seen many people sort of head in there, Louise, and, and take up the offer? Yeah, we've seen a big increase already um, for the start of flu season, um, bigger than actually probably the last couple of years. Um, I think flu is out there already, so it's been a good start. Yeah, and of course you've got people you know, back to normal um, post-COVID here. They're all mixing and mingling and all that sort of stuff. Are, are you expecting it to be, because we're talking about weather this morning, are you expecting it to be like a, 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 a flu-y type season this winter? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we learn a lot from what's happened, obviously, in the Northern Hemisphere and, and other countries. Um, and the flu seasons have been pretty bad uh, up around the world, and, and that's what travels here. Um, so we're expecting it to be pretty bad this season because, obviously, a lot more people travelling now. It's spreading a lot faster. And um, But the good thing is, like Louise said, a lot more people are getting vaccinated, which is great. I think they've learned a lot over the last couple of years about the, the benefits of, of the flu vaccine, which is good. And so what, what, what is the cost? You know, so people, you know, they're, they're out there, they're listening to us at the moment, they want to head in. And uh, I've, look, I've had flu jabs for a long time. You know, um, through my football career, it's one of the things that the, the doctors do is they come in and they give you a flu jab, try and get in front of it before mm. the football season because we don't want to lose footballers course, during yeah. the season. What, what's the actual cost for, for people when they want to come in? Yes, yeah, so it's twenty one ninety nine uh, in store, but there is there, the government have increased the amount of free vaccines out there. So if you know if you have a chronic medical condition, uh, if you're pregnant, if you're over sixty five, um, if you're over fifty five for a Maori and Pacific uh, whanau, then you get a free. So it's it's worth coming in and asking um, what what the criteria is to get a free. But otherwise, it's only twenty one ninety nine. It used to be over forty dollars mm. a few years ago. So it's so it's lot, very very affordable. And yep. and what are the benefits of getting a flu jab, Louise? Well, it protects you against the flu for the winter season, so it protects you against four different strains that we've obviously learned from in the Northern Hemisphere and keeps you fit and healthy so that you can continue to work and look after your farm now. Will it make hey. my arms any bigger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my question. I was going to say, Kempi, roll your sleeves up, but the thing is you're already wearing a singlet because you've got massive... Guns. <laughs> I'm going to let you carry in here, Louie, because I'm going to get up here with Louise and let her put this uh, 
this nice soft needle in my arm and this these soft I want to commentate it, and okay. here comes Louise with the, the. I'm going to go and get this done. Okay. <laughs> now you go for it. I'm curious. Um, I'm really curious, Rev. I'm just reading here, and I think this is uh, excellent. You guys in your in the large centres actually can go into offices if there's enough demand. Yeah, correct. Uh, this year we've really pushed our corporate uh, flu vaccine program, and as an employer ourselves, you know it's really important to try and vaccinate your staff. You you, you save a lot when your staff aren't sick. So uh, we've really pushed that corporate vaccine thing, which means yeah, this year we've got a team of uh, nurses and pharmacists that are available to go into uh, workplaces and, and vaccinate. And you know, hopefully, so it makes, oh, there you go. He's he's just he's he's had it, and I just, think the hardest thing oh. was trying to get Kempi not to tense. He's so used to tensing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can feel it growing. <laughs> very, very good. Good job I'm done. Not a um, don't worry you missed out this year, Louis, so we might have to come and see you in Christchurch. Well, you can either do that or there's actually a, a massive, a really nice store you guys have across um, just in South Christchurch or just before Morehouse Ave there opposite the South City. Yes. Um, yeah, opposite yep. the Durham Street, the Durham Street that, New that World was our there. First so one there. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. it's beautiful. It's awesome. I was in there um, having a look for some um, shit razor heads the other day, actually. There yep. you go. That's organic, nice. Rev. Yeah, yeah, very good. Hey, Rev, you, you also met Hutchie the last time he was yes. over here. And, yep. um, you know, he's uh, he's obviously a massive um, advocate for the chemist warehouse, mm. who are big supporters of SENZ. How, how did that chat go? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, it's always nice to see him. He seems to be back in his own quite often, which is, <laughs> which is good. Uh, yeah, and he's, he's a very very uh, keen on sports and, and good, good to have a chat to him. Yeah, are you guys at the Fight for Life tonight? We won't be there, no, but I'll, I'll be watching it on TV. It should, yep. should be good. And what, you, are you a Manchester City or Arsenal supporter? I don't like Arsenal, so yeah, I'm guessing it's about Manchester City for that right now. Well, yeah. I'm a Liverpool been, supporter, um, so it's uh, oh yeah, yeah. they, well, they I, did one too, so it was good. Yes, I was about to say. I hope shut your ears, then earmuffs forever if you don't want the uh, update. But they were two one over uh, West Ham. Well yep. done for all your your work around um, vaccinations and and getting this out there and at the forefront of people's mind. I think it's it's great work what you guys do and making it easier and more accessible for people. As Charlie says, I on the text line here, I had my flu jab every year. It's a choice I make. Well, there you go. Good on you, Charlie, and um, good on Chemist Warehouse for making it more accessible. Really appreciate you guys' time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Louis. Thanks for having us back and, and being able to get the message out there. Awesome. Yeah, you guys go well today and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. And thanks, Louise, for uh, giving me a little bit of pain this morning. Enjoyed it. Love it. Cool. Cupy, just give us a give us one of those ones. Give us a little bicep. Oh, there he is. See that smithy? See that smithy? That's just prime athlete. Right. Okay. <laughs> smithy. You're too good. Right, we'll be back with the great one, the doyen, after this. Oh, it's been a very fun Thursday today. Friday, tomorrow, then we're into the, the big race day Saturday. Uh, I think we might chat to Mark Walker tomorrow, Kempi, because he's got a few nice chances on the weekend and we'll be curious to know how he's found his first season back at the helm of Tiarco. Nice. A uh, couple of text messages here for you. Really cool interview with Sione, says Marshy. Yeah, no, nah, it was a very good um, interview there with Sione. If you missed it, go to our SENZ uh, app and, and download the, the Breakfast with Izzy and Kempe uh, podca- podcast and listen to that one with Sione because it does it does give a really good message there, Louis, in, in and about, you know, transitioning through the beginning of his career to the back end. And um, look, I loved it. I think, uh, you know, for him to have the courage to come in this morning and talk about it was, was fantastic. Especially when he was nervous about getting in a ring with <laughs> he's a, a... He's got to jump in a ring in eight hours. 
That's very, very good of him. Um, we need to pack the fortress, Mount Smart, on Sunday, make it as uncomfortable and, in- and intimidating as possible for the Roosters and officials and show Volandis and Abdo we are sick of the disrespect and the BS they talk but never show the Warriors any favours for saving the game, and, and says JJ. I, I couldn't agree more with that text from JJ. Like, make as much noise as possible. You know, I know we possibly could lose Dylan Walker today, um, well, we are going to lose him. It just depends on how 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 many weeks he's going to get. But if we want to want to replace him, we need to replace him with the with the noise with the noise every call. We want the Warriors on the back of it. It's just not fair, Smithy. Really, the way they treat us. Well, I, I, I guess you're probably right in that regard. But I <laughs> I don't think you'd be thinking that way if you're a player. You know, I think you just got to get on and do your job. I mean, that's a thing. I, I think you've just just got to persevere, and um, you know, out of the um, out of adversity comes good things from time to time. And there's a bit of adversity in terms of the playing staff uh, with injuries, etc., of that nature. So there's a, there's an opportunity, as I always say, an opportunity for someone to step up and uh, create a real impression this weekend. I think I think it's the, that's the exciting side of it. Uh, and they're, they're going into an environment that is encouraging that, which is a good thing. Yes, and I think you're right. I mean, the players shouldn't be thinking about it. That's just let us derange fans, JJ and myself and the crew to do that, and that's what we're here for. That's what fans are for. Did any of your hats fall off your wall yesterday, Smithy? No, they didn't, actually. No, no nothing uh, sort of uh, fell off uh, the wall. It just shook around a wee bit, but it was, it was interesting. Uh, I've got to say, it was an interesting experience to, to sort of Normally, you, you kind of think that those earthquakes, and we've all experienced them uh, of various natures, they just sort of come and go pretty quickly, but they just hung around a wee bit. That was the worrying thing. But uh, we're okay. We're surviving, Hawks Bay. We're battlers, Kiwi battlers, eh, Kempe? That's right. Show us that bicep again. Go on, give us some are inspiration. You, are, you, are, you getting, are you getting ready for me to come down to Napier for that Brisbane game, Smithy, to the boat ramp? Absol- absolutely. Absolutely, Kempe. I'm thinking of changing it. The Kemp ramp. <laughs> 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 well, he could just lay one of his arms down and they'll be able to reverse a boat down it. They're that bloody big. Thank you, Smithy. <laughs> chat to you tomorrow. Kimpy, good morning. Uh, we'll have fun tomorrow for a Friday, won't we? I think. Oh, of course. It's fun Friday, mate. I love it. I love Fridays. Can't wait. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate your time. Kakita.